Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Rakesh Madhava, the founder and CEO of NextPoint, a company that develops e-discovery and trial prep software. Hi, Rakesh. How are you? Hey, Ari. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a privilege. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So tell us about your background and the genesis of NextPoint. My background personally is from really the nuts and bolts of the legal business. So when I got out of college, I started working as a paralegal. I've learned the business from the inside out. So a lot of people, they're expecting that I'm like a serial entrepreneur. I come from a developer background or a coding background, but it's actually from a law firm background and from working in law firms. I worked at law firms for a couple of years, thought about going to law school and decided I was really much more interested in the technology side than I was the legal side and worked at a couple of consulting companies and then started NextPoint about 20 years ago. We started initially as a technology consultancy where we would get retained by firms to manage large volumes of data and high stakes, highly complex litigation. And in the context of doing that, we recognized that the software that they were using, and this was in the mid-2000s, was quickly becoming out of date, and mostly because it was designed in a pre-internet era. So we set out to design from the ground up an internet-based litigation data management system to help law firms manage data in their cases. How has the way law firms manage those cases changed the big secular change in the technology business is the cloud. I obviously have a dog in the fight, but I'm pretty sure that when we launched our first version of the software in 2007, that we were the first legal technology platform that was based and purely designed for the cloud and to be delivered from the cloud. The story of the last 15 years has been that the same change that we've seen in the rest of society and the rest of the business landscape, which is the movement towards internet-based software. How has e-discovery evolved over the last 20 years? In some ways, it's changed a ton. And then in some ways, it really hasn't changed a lot. I always find it funny that we still wind up putting emails on eight and a half by 11 ping files or image files in order to produce them when they're actually emails. So there's many of those things that are the same. And that's the story in legal is that the systems and the procedures that are in place are quite durable. The most significant change has just been the volume. The volume of data and types of data has continued to increase exponentially, and we don't see that ending anytime soon. Are you finding users leveraging your software differently in the remote environment? Yes. For us, we went from being a system that if you were a specialist in a particular area or if you were highly involved in the data management of the case that you would use our software... Now it's just every user in the firm. We went from being a tool that people use to manage data to being the central repository where everybody's getting their work done. Are you seeing more and more e-discovery specific tools being used in this general fashion? Yeah. And I think that e-discovery can be a tricky term because when I go in and I'm talking to our clients and I'm in their organizations, a lot of lawyers will say to me, I don't do e-discovery or I'm not involved in e-discovery as though it was a specialty practice area, like being an IP lawyer or a construction lawyer. So I think that what we've seen is that the adoption of cloud-based technologies and software by attorneys who don't consider themselves to be actual e-discovery attorneys. 
With the delays and closure of courts around the country, how has trial preparation changed? Well, it stopped there for a while. Then it seemed like everyone just figured it out. So we are hearing increasingly of trials that are going, depositions that are being taken remotely. We've been asked by our clients a lot to help out with those type of situations in order to help them prepare their data and able to present it in NextPoint so that they can go ahead and get these trials moving. But it's obviously a slower process. It is nowhere near the velocity as it was before. So it will be interesting to see. Everyone's theorized that there's going to be a huge spike in litigation and trial at the end of this. I don't think there's going to be an actual end. It's going to be more of a process of getting back to normal. I think that's going to be true for the federal courts and state courts. There's a lot of trials that everyone kind of agreed that it wasn't urgent to try to get done right now and that maybe sometime in 2021 or 2022 that they'd get going. So we are seeing some activity, but it is obviously at a far reduced rate. What aspects of remote courts, trials, do you think will remain and what will return after the pandemic if there's such a time? So many things for all of us have just changed in a way that it's never going to be the same. We're never going back to that day it was before. Specifically, as far as like anytime you have physical interaction now, whether that's a deposition in person or whether you're going into a courtroom, a lot of the stuff around social distancing and masks are going to continue to have a place going forward. I don't think anyone's going to feel comfortable suddenly shaking hands with everybody that they meet anytime soon. So there's this sort of physical element of trial and of e-discovery, of law in general, binders, boxes, paper, hard drives, anything that is a physical media is going to be increasingly antiquated. We're going to continue to move in the direction of having everything on devices and on computers and accessible through the cloud. Do you think e-discovery is becoming more specialized or is it now more familiar? There are some things that are becoming much more prevalent, what we're seeing in our client base. So the need for, let's say, ESI protocol, where Everybody in the firm knows that if you're requesting data, you're going to send them this form and it's going to detail how you want to receive the metadata and what kind of file formats you're going to be willing to accept. So that stuff is becoming more generalized. Those kind of practices, which I think people are no longer thinking of as e-discovery practices, they're just thinking of them as the way you do discovery now. There is obviously a field of e-discovery that is becoming more specialized around the use of big data analytics to try to like speed up or automate deriving meaning out of very large data sets. And that's being driven again by this exponential increase in the size of data. There's a certain subset of cases now that are so large that there's no possible effort to be able to look at everything. All parties agree that that's an inefficient process. And so I think people who really understand that side of the spectrum and people who understand forensics deeply, who understand collections protocols deeply, that part of the business is growing as well. So then where do you see e-discovery and litigation headed? Our thesis is that the post-COVID world is going to get driven by four significant factors, four vectors of change. So it depends on which vector you're looking at. So if you look at the financial vectors of what's happening here, there's obviously a much greater increase in the scrutiny of costs and firms are looking to reduce overhead, whether that's physical overhead in terms of offices and office space, investment in hardware, investment in the local installed networks and software, and a much greater interest in being able to use services on demand as they need them. 
So that's the first vector is financially, everyone's going to be looking very closely at what is their core business. Law firms are going to say, we're lawyers, we specialize in providing legal service. The ancillary services that are around that, we're going to go outside to get those. We don't need to have those internally. So that translates to the second vector, which our theory is on the technology side, that what COVID has done will probably accelerate 10 years of technological change into this 24 to 36 month period. We've already seen it. That's Zoom. That's people working remotely. That is people having data stored in the cloud. That change was already happening, and now it was accelerated and pulled forward into a very short period of time. The fourth thing that I think is going to change, health and safety concerns, are going to continue to be significant factors with law firms. And that's specifically about stuff related to coronavirus and physical things. But also in terms of safety, cybersecurity, with everything on the internet, firms are going to have to get really pretty serious about understanding what their cybersecurity protocols look like and that they have those in good shape. The last thing is that comes down to a question of staffing and headcount. We've already seen a move towards big firms declining in terms of the types of work that they're doing. What we're seeing is a consolidation on both ends. Either you got to be really large and you got to be a really big firm, or you have to be small and highly agile and a specialized firm with a specific area of expertise that you've carved out. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Rakesh Madhava, the founder and CEO of NextPoint, a company that develops e-discovery and trial prep software. Rakesh, thank you so very much. Thanks, Ari. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.